The Marine and the Hippie is a weekly conversation about current events aimed at presenting alternative viewpoints while looking for common ground. We are the Marine and the Hippie. Episode three with the Marine and the Hippie, bringing you into why you should never feed the white man bananas. If we if we remember the movie of the 1980s called The Gremlins, the Gremlins were like these cute little fuzzy animals, and there were like three rules. I forget I forget what they were. I think one was like, don't feed them after after dark. Don't feed them after dark. Don't get them wet. Don't get, don't get them think. wet. Yeah. And and but there were like these three simple rules, and if you if you follow those rules, you had this cute little animal. Mm-hmm. But if you if you didn't follow those rules well, you got this like demonic monster. And if we look back in history, world history, ancient history, really all of our problems can stem from, you know, God forgot to give us, you know, the uh, the instructions with the warnings that said, don't feed white people bananas. And I say that in jest, but when we break it down, um, Doc and I, before before the shows, we always kind of chat. And we're talking about these funny stories, and, and, and both both of our stories come from um, the the tropics. Mm. And in the tropics, between Capricorn and Cancer on the equator, you have this this belt along the planet that goes around the planet of happy people, and they're all happy. Why? Because well the earth provides for them when they want a banana do you know what they do they walk down the street and pick it off the tree man yeah they say, <laughs> i'm in costa rica um not a banana a coconut but this i'm in costa rica i'm watching the sunset this guy walks up to me who i knew from surfing i wasn't surfing that evening and he sat next to me and he said hey mate you want a coconut i said that sounds great Pulled a machete out of his shorts, walked off into the into the jungle, came back five minutes later with two coconuts, opened them up, we drank them, laughed, told stories, and moved on with our day. Because in between Capricorn and Cancer, that belt gives us what we need to survive and to live by. Yeah. Now, the problem was that people moved away from those areas. And they found that they, the farther north that they went or the, or the farther south, what happened was they got to places where the land wasn't fertile. So they had to figure out how to survive. And, you know, probably there's probably, and we could probably go into the records and we could find a 500 gap year of when Britons and North Europeans hadn't eaten bananas because they had moved away from Africa, they'd moved to a pla- places that bananas no longer existed, and they created civilizations. But as they created these civilizations, one day they, they went to explore because they hadn't explored down in Africa or explored down south for you know a couple hundred years because they were building Great Britain or England or whatever you want to call it. And then what happened was they went down south and they had a banana. When they had a banana, they said, man, I really want to have this at home. And to have it at home, what did they need to create? They needed to create literally the slave trade so they could have bananas. Well, I noticed. I mean, I noticed a fairly similar 
situation when I was in Jamaica that, you know, it, this is, of course, anecdotal, but it, it totally backs up what you say. I mean, when we walked, we would walk down the street in, you know, in the grill or walk up the street if, if, as a case where wherever we were at in the neighborhood, there'd be mangoes just hanging on the tree that were ready to go. You know, and if you were hungry, you picked a mango. They had, now, you know, like in Northern Europe and in places like Russia and places like even America, where you have people who are starving for lack of even simple bread. In Jamaica, they have a thing called breadfruit, which literally means that bread grows on trees. Like you take this, it's it, it looks kind of like a melon. It looks It's about as big as a, as a melon. You take it, you go chop it down from the tree and you put it in, in the oven for... You know who long, who knows how long, and it's got the it's got the consistency, I would say, of a kind of like a wet or kind of like a mushy bread almost. You know, like it's like if you had mashed potatoes that were condensed and solidified, and maybe had less water content than it. It's got a little bit of a yam flavor to it. You know, like a sweet potato or something like that. It's got a little bit of that, but it, it really has a consistency of bread, and so you're literally pulling bread off the trees in Jamaica. And everyone has, I mean, these are all over the place for everyone. You could just walk around and just grab it. There's just so much food. And it always impressed me, you know, how ready the food supply was. Like there was no, there's no reason that anyone should ever be hungry in a place like Jamaica, you know, because it's like the food literally just grows on trees. And you can survive, you can you can stay alive through that whole, you know, through whatever you know just by going around picking fruit off of trees yeah, and, and that's that's the amazing thing and that's kind of the joke right or kind of what i want to explore is yeah man like if if our needs are met and our show is about trying to figure out how to get our needs met, and our needs have changed in the last you know 50 years we need medical we need dental we need mental health we need internet we need a lot more clothing. We need an automobile or, or, or lots of infrastructure to do to do our jobs. But when there weren't that many people, really all we needed was food. And if we live in a place where the food isn't abundant, then societies, society and civilizations don't have a reason to be as advanced because there's no there's no reason to be advanced. If every time you're hungry, all you have to do is go to the tree that has the fruit that you want or go into the sea and grab the fish that you want to eat. You're never worried about uh, about your life. And ultimately, all of our actions are based on worrying about life or about trying to survive life for X amount of time. And civilization in and of itself, the farther north you go, is about roughing it, is about making it, makes life harder. Because if you live in a place like northern Canada, Alaska, Russia, you're not going to have, you will die in February if you don't have enough food in December to make it through January, February, March. I had, I, I wrote a book. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm not plugging my book here or anything like that. I'm just telling you about the philosophy in the book uh, that in a, in an ideal society, in a utopia, you have, mm -hmm. Uh, a, a system which is designed to supply need. Okay, in this utopia that I'm, I'm describing, the whole system is designed to make sure that all of the needs of survival, 
okay this isn't the, like the needs that i have to like i need a girlfriend or i need the internet or something like that it's it's like i need food to biologically survive i need a house in northern climate i need a house to biologically survive if you got the society that's arranged in such a way where all of those biological basic necessities are taken care of you know i need i also need a certain amount of money to exist in the society because the society is a cash based society so i need a certain amount of money to be able to live a decent life besides the food and besides the medicine and besides the clothing and besides the house if you got the society which which is oriented to supplying that need then any work that i do is work for myself rather than work for someone else if i choose because now that i have all my needs met i actually don't a boss doesn't have any kind of control over me at that point you know uh, my my boss or my landlord doesn't have any kind of control and they can't they can't say well you need to work this job here or else you're going to starve to death and so since I know that you're weighing starvation versus whatever I pay you, I'm going to give you the absolute least amount that I can possibly give you. You know, if I don't need that job to survive, I don't have to put up with that nonsense. I could tell the, tell the boss, well, shove it, you know. I don't need your job to survive. I'm going to just survive without the job. And then the boss eventually, when he hears that enough, has to do without workers. And so the boss needs to make some other calculations at that point if he wants to stay in business. And so it necessarily, when you get rid of you know, the ability to tax someone, and that's exactly what low wages actually are when you really get down to it. When By cheating them a certain amount of money from a certain amount of money, you're basically taxing them because they need the job to survive. When you get rid of the boss's ability to hold that over your head, to hold imminent demise and doom over your head, all of a sudden the relationship between workers and bosses change. And you actually get a more cooperative sort of arrangement between those people whose job it is to manage the company and operate the company and those people whose job it is to manage and operate the machines of the company. You get a totally different relationship. As long as you keep need in society to the point where a boss can threaten your very existence and is an existential threat by firing you, uh, you know, then that makes the workers into something like slaves. So the society that I have in this utopia talks about getting rid of need, slaying the beast of need and, and the beast of that, and allowing people then to utilize their resources to get the things that they want. Yeah, so the so the idea, just the basic premise of modern day civilization and say an urban landscape is is a means of slavery because it it doesn't allow us to have the production of our necessities, or at least the production of our primary necessity being food. Um, so it makes us dependent on that wage for something that in all in all reality, the earth can provide us and, and certainly can provide us if we live in the tropics. It's there, it's there in abundance. Um, even when you live, even in places that are uh, any farm that you that you can go to or any orchard that you can walk through during during the harvest there's always there's always fruits and vegetables that go just to the bin because they don't meet meet a perfect standard and i think that we're seeing that today and when we come back we'll 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 explore maybe should society be maybe a less less urban or should society um waste less 
So when we come back to the Marine and the Hippie, we'll be exploring those those two questions. You're listening to Marine and the Hippie. And we're back, the Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan. I'm the Hippie. Uh, when we ended, ended the the break, we were talking about does the urban environment create slavery? Does it create an environment that makes wages the only thing that, that help us to survive? Because when we, the beginning of the show, we're talking about that Capricorn and Cancer, that belt around the earth has some of the happiest people with with the least amount of things because the earth provides for them. Um, when we get to an urban environment and we get to civilization and civilization as we know it today, does this environment create slaves? Are we are we actually slaves now in a different term? Well, one thing I was one thing I recall from um, I, f- I forgot where it was that I that I heard this, but it was a it was a line in a movie somewhere, and it actually was pretty poignant that the difference between slaves and the underpaid workers and in the uh, industries in the 1860s. And there were people that basically operated on virtual slavery, getting paid five cents an hour for really dangerous you know, work that could kill them and kids being employed and all these other, all these other things. Uh, the difference between the slave and the underpaid urban worker was that the, that the worker could choose to leave. And, you know, when I heard that, I was like, man, that's that's nonsense. I mean, I can't, I've been without a job for a long time, you know, and I know what it's like, but like when you have that job, you can't afford to leave because that's what you're, that's what you, the thing that you require to sustain your life is based on that job and that wage. It's not a free choice. It's not an, it's not a free choice. The, the person who pays your wage always has this over you. They can always keep you on. And if it's not the wages, it's the health insurance, you know, like how many sick people can't afford to quit a lousy job that number one that they hate and number two they're no good at and they shouldn't be in in the first place but they need to keep this job because of health insurance you know it's a law now that that says that you have to have health insurance so they'd be violating the law if they leave the job and don't have health insurance to replace it so that's essentially what you you know it, it's a virtual sort of slavery where you can't afford to not work in the society or not have some sort of income and you and, can't you can't sustain life anymore by not working, and so you don't have the choice to leave. You always must go submit your hours and your days and your life to the whims and the desires of some boss to make lots of money off of you. And and you're owned by them. You're you're owned by the system. Yep. You're you're you you are not you are not free within the system to move in in a way that that gives you freedom, even though some may think like that it's it is not true if we have you know the the uh, the the healthcare that you brought up is a tax um it's it's an unfair tax on something that you know that you're going to need it would be the equivalent of you having to pay for food for the rest you know tomorrow for eating today because you know that you're going to need healthcare um because as we get older things fail and you, you have to have it. If you don't have it, then you die. And what gives, I mean, the question I have is what gives the healthcare provider the right to charge you that tax? 
I mean, they're not the state. Why do they have? Why do they feel that they have the right to charge you a premium for something that you need to survive? I think it's the same reason why the slave owners thought that they had the right to own a slave because they were able to make money off of the slave and make more money off of the slave than giving them freedom and giving them a living wage and giving them kind of life and liberty. And all of the things that are happening now within our home country is are taking away our liberties, are taking away our freedoms. And in a country where people talk about, we have freedom, what freedom do we have? You have freedom, you have to have a job, you have to have healthcare, and you, you can't grow things in certain neighborhoods on your land because it's gonna because it doesn't look pretty. You have to have a green you have to have green grass instead of a vegetable garden. You can't have a goat. You can't have chickens. But then, if you had goats and chickens and you had a vegetable garden, you wouldn't need to pay Whole Foods for your food and have to pay a premium. So, in a lot of ways, we are just we 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 have accepted a different. We are slaves, and we have accepted just it as a different form and um i i think that a lot of people are who are in pain and suffering are, are people who really kind of feel that and really don't know how to identify it and how to move forward to change and how to to, to gain their freedom back and what can we do to get there now do you think this is a consequence of uh of urbanization of everybody moving off of a land that's uh, that can sustain a family and can sustain even a community to a more like concentrated urban, you know, industrial setting. And also, do you think that it's a trade-off between, you know, I don't, I don't want to like glamorize it or, or, you know, romanticize it because farm living is really, really difficult, a way mm-hmm. difficult way of life. It's not pretty. And you could die out there from anything, you know, you walking around and get snake bit or fall and get tetanus or something like that. But, you know that they they traded that sort of like sustainable life for you know an illusory sort of easy riches and easy living in the city when in fact once they get to the city they realize that everybody else is doing the same thing and it's all still a grind i think there's a couple shifts that happened um that changed the way we think and i think some people got freedom um, this is probably going to be an unpopular thought, but um, Rosie the Riveter, when she went to work, um, World War II, she comes, women went to work. And when they got, when World War II ended, they didn't want to go back into the home. Awesome. But that shift created a problem. And that problem was the men didn't want to stay home and be fathers. The men didn't want to be, they didn't want to stay home and be bread makers. So what happened was we had this society in which now the basic cost of living for most nuclear houses was based on two incomes. And anybody who now is, who only has one income in a household struggles because of that, because the amount of money that, that, that two people can bring in becomes more. And what there should have been a shift was more people like me, more more men, literally staying home and and being being the taking on the roles as as the shift happened. Um, Do you think that that was largely because 
men didn't want to be in the role of a father or role of the, you know, the home, I don't know, the homemaker. I don't know if that's even a, a modern term. The person that stays home and, and does, you know, the domestic stuff while the, the woman is out doing the work? Or do you think that's, uh, the, the alternative is that that's like the demands of capitalism, that they just want everybody to be tied to the machine rather than just the men? You know, like, oh, yeah, now we got, you know, 60 million more workers. Look how much more productive we can be by bringing all these other people in, too. Keeping all the men and also bringing the women. Now, since we can't use the kids anymore, let's bring the women in. Probably a little bit of both. I think depending on the area, in certain areas. But I think that there, I, I think we can certainly see that a lot of men feel very emasculated um, when women have power and are very afraid of that. Um, because of, you know, again, tr tradition of a patriarchal society for, you know, thousands of years. So I, I think that it's, it's probably a, a good, a good solid mixture of both. And then again, what you brought up, the idea of urbanization and moving away from having gardens, moving away from having any sort of means of production um, and connection really with, with our food, with our food source. Um, and that's, as we, as we see now, you know, in, in certain gentrified or certain urban areas, that's becoming um, evidently popular. People, you know, people having chickens, people, you know, having little gardens because they want to get back to maybe not, I want to live on a farm, like you said, because it's a really hard work, but I want to be part of the production of my life, part of the production of my food. I don't need... 20 pairs of pants. I don't need to go out and buy all of my own food. I can make my own food. And in, in some ways that becomes healthier. Um, and that, that is a way to give it to the man because the, the healthier you eat, the less money you're going to give to the machine. Well, that's a, I mean, that's basically where we're at in society right now. Of course we, we, you know, we always, we always have a good conversation on the Marine and the hippie. And I think that, you know, we brought up some, really illuminating points uh we're gonna wrap it up for this week uh dylan you got anyone anything you want to pitch before we go go out and have a good week don't let this lap two of coronavirus and 2021 get you down and hopefully you know someday we'll all be vaccine and we can see each other around right peace on. and uh while you're at it uh having a great time check us out on uh marine uh marine hippie at twitter marine, i think marine underscore hippie uh, at Twitter and the Marine and the Hippie at gmail.com. Uh, also check out Dylan's blog on observations from the spectrum. And you can also check out, you know, my stuff on uh, Supernova Earth uh, on Spotify too while you're at it. Um, for the Marine and the Hippie, I'm Doc. I'm Dylan. And we'll see you all next week. Peace. You're listening to the Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan. I'm the Hippie from Turkey. And let me just tell you, Kolai Gelsen. May it be easy. Peace.
For more information on the Marine, follow Doc at supernova underscore earth on Twitter and listen to the Supernova Earth Show on Spotify. For more information on the hippie, follow Dylan at Gezi and Me on Twitter and read his blog at observationsfromthespectrum.org.